Episode 14 of Right Where You're Sitting Now. I'm joined today by uh, someone that's been on the show quite a few times, uh, Raymond Wiley. Thanks for coming on again, Raymond. Thanks a lot, Ken. It's always a pleasure to be on Right Where You're Sitting Now. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm a bit busy, but other than that, good. <laughs> just trying to get the site up and going a bit more. I've got the reviews section sorted out now, um, but we just need to actually put some reviews in it. That would help. <laughs> so we're... Uh... The new build of the site looks like uh, you've been put to, putting some time in on it. Looks good. So yeah, we're trying to make know. it look cool. Great, uh, great way to sneak our little uh, announcement in there. Yeah, know, in, within our banter, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, before I go on, um, do, do we want to mention anything about this info yet? Or? Uh, well, just that a dis- disinfo podcasts are imminent. They uh, should be coming out in the next couple of weeks, we're thinking. I'm getting a lot of emails, and since I already announced this on the last episode of Out There, you know, I might as well just say, hey, yeah, that project is still going on. It's just about to get started, and uh, you're going to hear some familiar voices on it. That's all I'm going to say for tonight. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, um, we've got no music this week because I've just been so busy and hectic doing all this other stuff that I didn't have time to arrange anything. So uh, uh, this is going to be a musicless episode. I'll just warn people because we do some of our listeners do like the stuff we play. But we've got... Well, I could sing, you know. That'd be I good. Mean, I'm a karaoke superstar here in Athens. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, entertaining and <laughs> a bit different, I suppose, from usual. But yeah, that would be. Yeah, maybe we'll get you to do a. Um, I don't know some. All blue eyes songs or something that'd be quite good. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> but yeah, my, my my smooth baritone will come in handy. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> but we've got some uh, good guests coming up. Um, like we've already said before, we've got Looper, who's the wife of Taylor Elwood, to talk to us about BDSM and sex magic and all sorts of crazy magic stuff. So that's coming up um, either next episode or the episode after. We've got Douglas Rushkoff coming up, which is going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. He's one of my favourite writers. We've got some other cool people we can't announce yet but just because we're scared that they might pull out and we'll look stupid but <laughs> that's always a problem but anyway what are we going to be talking about today raymond uh well i think you wanted to talk about conspiracy theories right ken yep we're going to finally get around to doing this episode again we actually did record a version of this episode a while ago but it, uh some gremlins got in my system and destroyed the recording of the episode which was really annoying <laughs> Yep, I was still all all high from our John Ronson interview. You know, I had I rolled all these conspiracy theories that we had talked about through my mind. Had the best rap ever, and it was destroyed by 
your computer equipment. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all being sorted to, now. <laughs> right. Today can only be a tribute to that to recording. That. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think we can talk about conspiracy theories, you know. Um, I feel like this is a good time. I'm between series. I'm sort of uh, done for a while with doing my research on conspiracy topics. And um, so I feel like I can put a lot together that's happened to me in the past and sort of hindsight is usually 2020, especially with subjects that can be so, I guess, unclear to people. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, go, go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, so yeah, we've got a couple examples of conspiracy theories. Some are fun. Some are, uh, highly interesting and fascinating and relevant to sort of what's going on today in modern politics that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but first, you know, I, I figure I could just sort of field a few questions and we could just sort of talk in general about conspiracy theories and our, um, our experiences with them yeah, are interesting. Before we do that, though, I'm just going to cut to a quick break and um, we'll play the promo for probably Eerie Radio and uh, we'll speak to you on the other side of that. Go Ben Teague! <laughs> to the new episodes so keep up with your work guys thanks interviews there's so many movies so many documentaries even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe you know this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on visit eerie radio at www.eerieradio.com Right, we're back um, with Raymond Wiley, as uh, as ever. <laughs> You've been on quite a few. Yes, as ever. Right, I have an adjective for last name. How about that? <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. So we're going to talk about conspiracy. Well, I, I suppose let's just go into it. I guess. Um, what got you into conspiracy theories, Raymond? Oh, I don't know. It's um, it's it's hard to say when the first time I really research something like that hardcore i certainly remember watching the film jfk as a child and you know i didn't really know anything that much about history at the time so i think it's great to describe conspiracy theories as a alternate presentation of history yeah you know like that and so as a result like it, it brought me into learning about the past and it brought me into learning about um, government cover-ups and things like that at the same time. And so from the, I think the very beginning, my study of conspiracy theories has been wrapped up in my study of history because it's always an alternate tale of, of how history turned out, mm. you know, or how history occurred, I guess would be the best way to put it. So there was JFK. I certainly remember um, there was... Henry Lincoln's BBC documentaries that would run on like A&E over here. And I would see those sometimes. I saw like um, Treasure of the Knights Templar and The Poet, the Priest, and the Devil. I think I saw those when I was in middle school. And those are more occult stuff, but at the same time they talked about secret societies and they sort of hinted at 
strange forces controlling the world and, you know, shaping events and that history wasn't necessarily as it was written. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, so those are two big examples. And then, Oh man, I guess the first conspiracy book I ever had was David Icke's and the truth shall, and the truth shall set you free. It was, uh, before he got on the lizard men thing and he was, (laughs) he was sort of, it was his first, you know, opus about the worldwide conspiracy. And, Mm. He attributed it all at that point to a prison warder consciousness Mm. that was sort of alien and in a different dimension and somehow manipulated events here on Earth. So, but what I, you know, that I, you know, seemed a little new agey to me even then. But his, the way he went went through and explained about like the Bilderbergers and banking and all of this stuff, he, he had sort of made a, a precy of everything else, you know, of all the other conspiracy books that I had never seen and probably would never run across. So, you know, common sources, I guess, you know, sources that you guys are all familiar with, same things that got me into conspiracy theories. Now, would you say it was most... fair enough to say that you're more into the kind of political governmenty kind of conspiracy theories than the UFO, say, conspiracy theories? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I watched <clears throat> The X-Files, Right. And the 1990s, I guess we're moving, moving <laughs> popular culture, right. And how this has been presented to us before. But I, yeah, I watched the X-Files a little bit and I always wondered about UFOs. I was always very scared of UFOs. They were the sort of boogeyman in my subconscious as a child. Yeah. Um, if I'd have a bad dream, the, the boogeyman would be an alien or something like that. That movie fire in the sky, I remember, um, scared me terribly scared me far more than something like the exorcist would which was a much better film i mean let's, let's face it, but, um yeah. but yeah but uh yeah as far as like american conspiracies go like if you go back into history and we talk about europe and all this stuff it, it it's it all gets mixed up but here in america there are a lot of conspiracy theories that surround politics, uh, like the JFK assassination or CIA drug dealing, uh, you know, south of the border or the 9-11 conspiracy theories. You know, that's all it's all this interesting sort of American folk history. Mm. It's sort of thing out, you know, because people know that the state is the state's not a real historian either. You know, the state's not a historian in the way an academic is. Yeah. But it's the it's what writes history in the end. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, What's the famous saying about of, that? There's a famous saying to do with war, isn't there? That, um, is it the winners write the history books or something? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's hard. Um, it's hard to know what's real, you know, when you're presented something on the news, especially about a big event. And when you find out that you've been lied to over and over again, you you form the tendency to assume that something is amiss every time it's presented. It's like the government has cried wolf so many times that when the wolf is really at the door, you're not going to believe it, <laughs> you yeah. know. So it leads us into hard, I don't know, it leads us into these very tough judgments that are. it's very hard to make. Uh, about data or facts or history like and people write their whole lifestyles and their whole philosophies around their interpretations of conspiracy theories 
So um, not that they're all bad. I mean, some of them are true, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, some of them, uh, they are provable in many ways. But, you know, it's tough because y- you decide to take something on like that and it's almost like an evangelical conversion mm. in many ways. And sometimes you can go too far because what starts off as you've seen solid research, it's led you to believe this, this certain premise, okay, well, like, you can very easily get to the point where you're so involved with it and you lose your perspective to the point that when evidence comes up that would seem to disprove what you thought, you just look at it as an enemy mm. as opposed to standing there and debating it, which is what you have to do, right? I mean, if, if, if I was going to write a history, paper right uh for my for a phd or something mm-hmm. um i would have to defend that you know what i'm saying i couldn't just scream and holler mm. or get people as cointel pro agents i couldn't call the three professors standing there in front of me picking my work apart because that's what they have to do um i couldn't call them cointel pro just because they didn't believe the same thing that i did mm. and that's the problem you end up with and, you know, we've seen this a lot with the debate that goes on, say, in the 9-11 truth movement. You know, you have a lot of people who have <laughs> taken on certain beliefs, and that's what they are at the end of the day, their beliefs. Um, and when some, someone comes in from the outside and, and casts some doubt on their belief system, it's taken as this personal attack, and there's an emotion attached to it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there shouldn't be. So I, I this is kind of rambling, I know, but it, it, I'm trying to get at like what the, this mental process that people go through mm. when they're presented with this stuff, especially now that Video Google is around, okay? Yeah. Um, I love Video Google. Uh, Ivan Stang introduced it to me mm-hmm. uh, back uh, when we had him on for an interview on my old show. And he, he said, you should check out this Video Google. This is great. You can access anything. And I hadn't even seen it before. And so within three or four months after that, I had gone through literally dozens and dozens of conspiracy, of conspiracy films. And mm-hmm. that's what people do when they find, I mean, somebody watches Loose Change for the first time, you know, what are they going to do when they're done? They're either going to call their friends and start talking about it, or they're going to watch it again, or they're going to want to go on Video Google, which is where they just watched it, find and find another them, yeah. that's just like it. So you go through this process where you are presented with films that are editorial in nature and have basically the same point. They're making the same argument and you watch 10 of them in a row. You know, that seems to me in a lot of ways more like indoctrination. I mean, it's it's obviously unconscious. It's not like the filmmakers are making you do this. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just trying to get their point in two hours. They can't help it that you've gone two, four, six, eight hours with the same point. <laughs> and it's all that's been in your head that day. And you, you know what I'm saying? You, you lose perspective is what I'm saying. And this happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's less fun when that happens. That's the best thing that I can say to you, that it is, it's fun to look at strange topics. And it's fun to look at conspiracy theories, but you can't like base your whole life on them right even out there had two other pillars <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's, i think you can go a little bit mad i mean i know people that it just 
destroys them almost it's like watching someone t- like you're saying it's like watching someone turn into an evangelical christian or something or you know born again christian or it's like they're suddenly being indoctrinated into this thing and if anyone opposes it or if you're not in it then you're just you know you're an outsider regardless of what you say what evidence you have their evidence is the right evidence and that kind of that kind of got me for a while as well i had a huge huge row with my dad about 9-11 when i got sucked into the whole these changey kind of mm-hmm. period because i think like before that conspiracy theory books personally this is my own personal experience conspiracy uh, conspiracy theory books would often be incredibly hard to read because i'd often they'd be quite badly written i know that sounds quite bad so when it's these, true yeah but so true. when these uh when these videos suddenly appeared same exactly same here when youtube appeared and when all these kind of free flash video sites appeared um it was just yeah it's just suddenly this access to all this information but i think there's uh, an interesting side note to it all that often there's counter videos if that makes sense <laughs> it certainly has been with least change which is uh which i think is a healthy thing for people i think um prior to that when it least change first came out it was the only video that were kind of looked directly at this you know in that way at stuff and there was nothing to, crit- to critique loose change whereas now there is <laughs> have you said, i can't remember it's called screw loose change the video yeah, it's called screw loose change now but but what i'll say about that is it, it suffers from the same lack okay it's not it's not standing in an objective place looking at an event and saying this is what's interesting fascinating this is the truth we can gleam out of it it's just saying it's just being it's just swinging the other way you know and and so i haven't seen yet a documentary about the 9-11 terrorist attacks which takes into account the fact that there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about it and Mm. that it's worth some conjecture is worthwhile there and at the same time trying to present what the best view of exactly what happened like nobody's done that the states done that and films written by written off of the state's account have done that Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) and then conspiracy theorists have done that which uh, you know as we've seen um you know even the conspiracy theorist groups you know they're they're all worried about you know you being COINTELPRO or you being an infiltrator well in some sense of the word, they're right because there's usually somebody. If you believe that hard against the government, that's going to be looking at you. Hmm. And um, but not just the government; like other groups are going to look at your political influence, your intellectual power, and they're going to try to like use it for their own goals. Like the Lyndon LaRouche movement tries to use the 9/11 Truth movement, hmm. which which I talked about a little bit on episode 48 about there. Um, and we talked about with John Ronson a little bit as well, didn't we? Sure, did. um, so, you know, that's sort of where I've come with the 9-11 Truth Movement. Now, let me talk a little bit about, we'll just make this the 9-11 section of the show yeah. for, 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 you know, this, for the sake of argument. Let me talk about some of these films and what I liked and did not like about them. Because, you know, I, like you can, went through a period and you can hear it episode 33 of my old show where i was just absolutely convinced that the government blew up the world trade center it's so obvious I, you kept saying that didn't you <laughs> i kept saying that over and over and now i'm not so convinced now i'm not i don't disbelieve it mm. but i don't necessarily believe it either i don't know mm-hmm. i just don't know um but so Let's talk about some of these sources. The first one everyone sees is Loose Change. Usually the second edition of Loose Change because that was the one that got viewed the most. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's much better than the first film. Uh, It presents a very concise argument. 
Um, moves, it, it, it flows well. It, it has a good soundtrack running behind it. Um, and it put, but it puts out the idea that the World Trade Center was destroyed by controlled demolition. Okay, mm-hmm. and that the Pentagon was hit by a cruise missile. Yeah, those are the two main points of the film, and that. The, the whole thing was just like Operation Northwood, which was this plan that the U.S. government had to provoke an invasion of Cuba in the early 1960s, which involved fake terror attacks and things. Mm-hmm. So it's a good film. There's a certain, I think Jason Burmis is the guy that narrates it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's got a certain emotion in his voice um, that, that, that it's obviously editorial. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It, it convinced millions and millions of people, but there's a certain like abandon to it. It doesn't try to be. Well, I mean, it tries to present the truth, I guess, but it doesn't necessarily have to be number 100 objective about it. it. It has its point. Now they came out with that final edition of the film more recently, which has a different, you know, obviously a different vocal cut. Okay, um, and it's it's much more flat. And it doesn't sound as good. Like the movie doesn't, without something, without that emotion in his voice, there's something about it that's less convincing. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, <clears throat> excuse me, they're sort of like lawyers who are making a case three different times, who are trying a case three different times. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have the government on trial for not the 9 11 attacks. And each time they make that case, they get a little bit more concise and there's less bullshit mm. uh, built in that's obviously false. But there's also less of a case there. Mm-hmm. So you get down to the final film and you can't tell. Like they're not really, they've backed off the cruise missile into the Pentagon. They can't say that anymore because they find a guy that saw the plane fly into the Pentagon, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot they have to back down on. So it becomes a more solid film, but at the same time it has much less of an impact. I think from that second edition of the film did, which really set that movement on fire mm-hmm. in a lot. Now, Alex Jones followed that up by making a film called Terror Storm, and I think he was pretty wise in making that film because he saw that the market had basically already been flooded with these 9/11 DVDs, and he wanted to make a DVD that made the point that the government could do a terrorist attack, a state-sponsored attack on their own people so terror storm is pretty good some of it's filmed over uh on your end of the atlantic ken um it's it's pretty good i like the interviews with michael meacher and um and uh what's his name uh (laughs) the guy that went nuts and um john watson told him to uh, david shaler yeah david shaler yeah (laughs) so it's got good interviews with david shaler before he went completely bonkers and Michael Meacher, you know, he sounds pretty good in it. And then there are some other people in the film, and it's very well made, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes the point, but it doesn't prove anything. It just presents all these typical historical cases like Pearl Harbor and the USS Liberty and um, the the Maine, uh, the beginning of the Spanish-American War, all in this light of false terrorist attacks. It doesn't even have to deal with 9-11, and yet it is still a movie about 9-11, because it's just trying to make that point. Yeah. Uh, the Reichstag fire that's in there. <clears throat> so, Sorry. Uh, and then the other major film I would 
venture to talk about for a moment about 9-11. It's called 9-11 Mysteries. And it, to me, is the best film that's been made on the topic. And it, the only point of it as a film is um, to make the point that the World Trade Center was destroyed by controlled demolition. Mm. And so it's a good, it's good though. I mean, like it makes a really strong case, presents a lot of stuff that isn't, it isn't as based on conjecture. You know, there's still a lot of conjecture, but it's not, no, it's just more solid case. Mm -hmm. And it's narrator has a emotionless voice, but it's not flat. Mm. It's editorial in nature as well. But um, that was the best film, and you know, you you come away from that, so, you know, so wondering, you know, well, maybe maybe there were bombs, you know, mm. in the whatever, um, which is my which is the big sticking point for me about the whole nine eleven conspiracy theories is like I can believe, uh, I have no problem, and it doesn't rock the world so much if the government sort of saw it coming or you know, or if these people came in under the radar or if, you know, something like that. But if the government went to the length of blowing up the buildings, ah, then, then that's something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the thing for most people is they don't realize that they can, that you can look at 9-11 and say, wow, there's a lot you don't know there without making that assumption. And I don't know. I don't want to make that assumption. I, I wish I could know 100% whether it was true or not, but there's, there's just no evidence that it's like a smoking gun yeah. I mean, that, that are convinced will tell you that. But the more I look at it, the less I can tell, I mean, you, le- some, you know, there's some pretty far out. I think, I think what, what really kind of nails a lot of these conspiracy theories to me is like, they, they, they tend to take them too far a lot of the time. Would you agree with that as well? That I heard one recently where apparently there was a lot of gold, in the World Trade Center, underneath the World Trade Center, in um, I don't you do you know this one or I can't remember. Uh, yeah, is this about? Well, there, there. From what I have heard, there was some sort of when the buildings got hit, there were gold deposits in bank vaults in or underneath the the, center, the plaza. Hmm. Maybe not in the towers, but maybe the next building over, like number five or number three, something like that. And that they were going, they were moving that stuff out, yeah. and that the whole crew in the trucks and, and all the vehicles were still in the underground uh, parking system that ran all underneath there, mm. and that they abandoned their cars, so that when they excavated the rubble, and then this is a true story. You can read about this in the press. They did excavate the rubble, and they did find a ton of gold down there. Hmm. And they had all these armed guards with machine guns keeping people away from the site while they removed it. But from what I heard when it was found, it was found in, like, the back of a flatbed truck, like, and it had been abandoned. Like, they knew the the building was going to fall over or something. Hmm. Yeah. Is that this is basically what you were talking about? Yeah, I think so. But then I had the... Um... I try to remember. There's some. <laughs> I've heard so many different versions of the story. Yeah, uh, this is another problem that I was going to talk with you about as well. But uh, yeah, uh, there's another theory that um, that because of it was done on a specific day because they knew that they'd be moving money that day, so they orchestrated the entire attack to get at this gold, which seems incredibly convoluted just to get at some gold <laughs> to me. I think. But uh, well, I mean, if there were a bunch of gold missing, somebody would say it. Whoever owned it would, you'd know. Yeah, <laughs> they recovered billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, 
So I don't know. That's a lot of that. Um, what's that guy's name? He does Synchronicity Nine Eleven is the name of his podcast. Richard Grove. Richard Grove. Yeah, that guy. He loves the whole diehard element. How like there could be terrorists who have crazy technical abilities to steal a bunch of money while doing this big op for the government or whatever. So, um, yeah, you might want to check out him. Project Constellation is this audio file. and it's um, He's kind of nutty, but, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting different way to look at it. But none of this stuff really holds up. I mean, especially because most everybody would say that the best book on the subject is Webster Tarpley's book. Hmm. Uh, what's it called? 9-11... Synthetic terror made in USA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, I mean, and you know, he's just basically spouting off Lenin Larouche's political philosophies, and his book isn't really all that well cited. No. So, and and it holds on to some of this like the possibility that there were like directed energy weapons fired from satellites and all this stuff. I'm like, why is that even in there? This book has been edited five or six times, and it is still in there. So. <laughs> It should tell you something. Yeah. So, I mean, what other, you know, there's the new Pearl Harbor, which was written by David Ray Griffin. But he's a theology professor. I mean, none of these, nobody's coming through with like a work that is hitting in the mainstream, hitting the mainstream readership. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you would think with something so interesting that it, you'd be able to do that. Um you know, think about the other topics. Think about JFK mm. and UFOs. I mean, there have been books that have sold millions and millions and millions of copies on those subjects to a mainstream readership. But this one just, nothing's breaking through no. as far as books go. And I was surprised that it's Oliver Stone didn't make a uh, different film to the one he did make, which was kind of odd. He's... What about about 9-11? Mm. I, I about JFK? No, about 9-11. I expected him to make a... Uh... A bit more of a, I guess, a racy <laughs> piece of that word film than the one he did in the end. I thought um, it was a good film, the one he did, but it was, uh, what was it called? Is it World Trade Center? I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Is that Oliver Stone? Yeah, I think so. Oh my God, don't tell me this. I gotta look this up. You yeah. can cut me looking it up. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, he sure did. World Trade Center. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> But, well, you know, after Alexander, which was just so bad, mm. uh, not surprised with the World Trade Center, which, you know, whatever. Some conspiracy theories are just too far, right? Even for all of us. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was a shame because he tends to, um, I don't know, I, I really like, I'm a huge fan of Nixon and JFK. I think they're both brilliant films, but uh, I really thought he would have done a better job with this, but he didn't. But, you know... It, it's probably still a bit of a uh, sensitive subject, although I am looking forward to W coming out. That's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, that should be nice. I've heard that there's some that it's a good script. Mm. So. Yeah, it looks pretty good. The it, is good. For him to do something that was a little better. So. Yeah, it'd be good to see him go back. So um, before we uh, head on with our conspiracy theories, I think we're going to cut to a quick break. Um, we're going to play another podcast advert probably podcast pickle <laughs> i should probably t stop telling them uh, and i will see this tits of neil diamond ah excellent and uh yeah we're <laughs> gonna have a 
yeah, uh, Raymond Wiley singing the uh, the hits of Old Blue Eyes <laughs> coming up at some point soon. But yeah, uh, we'll Somewhere see. Somewhere you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be, I'll see you. We'll see you guys after the break. Excuse me, I've got some information I'd like to share with you. Did you know that 26 billion pickles are packed each year in the U.S.? That's about 9 pounds of pickles per person. More than half the cucumbers grown in the U.S. are made into pickles. Hey, pickle boy, let's talk pickles. The Podcast Pickle, that is. The Podcast Pickle is your resource for all the latest and greatest podcasts found in cyberspace with thousands of podcasts listed and more added every day. Here's some of the podcasts that you'll find at podcastpickle.com. <laughs> Geek Foo Action Grip. Beachcast. Comic Geek Speak. Speechless. Mad Kane. This Week in Tech. Warren Town Talk. NASCAR Zone. Shelly the Republican. A Voice from Eden. Jimmy McBean. Five Minutes with Wichita. Cinema Playground. Offbeat. The Logo Factory. The Exit 50. This and That with Jeff and Pat. Thoughts on Psychiatry. Web Hosting Show. Merlin from Berlin. Random Cast. Jazz with Tiger. American Road Trip Show. The Drew M Podcast. The Slam Idol Podcast. Forgotten Tales. The Zencast. XboxStation.net. How to Do Stuff. <laughs> Now, Pickle has a whole new meaning. PodcastPickle.com, the world's best podcast directory. All right, we're back. And um, we're here with Raymond Wiley. We've just been talking about 9-11 uh culture i guess to a degree um i guess we're going to talk about some other conspiracy theories that uh seem to have grabbed the public consciousness a bit more than others in some cases <laughs> sure um i think one element i want to talk about here is how conspiracy theories often have an element of the grotesque in them mm-hmm. and they often have this element of there being a piece of visual evidence that the casual researcher can look at and see how obvious this is for themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, JFK assassination is a perfect example of this. You have the gruesome and hideous um, Zabruder film, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. as a child, that was definitely the most grotesque image I ever remember seeing, was uh, the death of President Kennedy. But, um, or the video of it, obviously. Um and so people have gone over that over and over again and have extrapolated from it, from this gruesome image, you know, that there's probably a conspiracy. There was probably more than one person firing at that car and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because it has this element of of it being there to see if you're willing to look for it, mm-hmm. which is kind of tough because that also means you've got to go into research with a certain conclusion already drawn you know in a lot of ways if you want to get down to the bottom of that kind of stuff so it leaves you in a hard position as far as like being a scientist or a, you know um, a true academic or whatever but uh, yeah it can be interesting and you know after you see something like that you know you get into the research a little bit more and we'll talk about the JFK assassination I think here for a minute and be a good way of yeah 
segueing here, um, some good sources. You know, we talked about the film JFK earlier, a very concise presentation of some of the reasons why people think there was a conspiracy surrounding the assassination of John Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in the wake of that um, film, you know, the, the Freedom of Information Act requests for, J, for JFK-related files went skyrocketing up, and they released a bunch of files, and all sorts of TV stations especially spent money, cable stations spent money making specials about this this topic. Um, one string of documentaries about it was called The Men Who Killed Kennedy. I think it's like nine or ten parts. It's really long. Mm. And it may have actually been made shortly before JFK. It was either right before or right after that movie came out that, that those TV shows came out. And those are really interesting too because they present a lot of different possible sources for the conspiracy. They don't have one truth that they're trying to sell you. So I like that. Um, Oliver Stone himself appeared in a TV documentary about the JFK conspiracy. If you just type in JFK conspiracy in YouTube or video Google, you'll find it. It's hosted by James Earl Jones. Yeah. That's another good one as well. And that's, that's really good. If you've seen JFK, that's almost like an appendix. Yeah. It'll like out a lot of the information on it. And it has Darth Vader. <laughs> Technically, so it makes it, it even more dramatic. <laughs> or if you've seen that movie, Flight of Dragons, the, he's the evil wizard Omadon. <laughs> um, he just hands it up way more than he did with Darth Vader. Like, that's the ultimate James Earl Jones. Right <laughs> so, um, and let's see. But for me, my favorite one is the most recent one that I've seen. It's called JFK 2. <laughs> and it's this documentary about how there's all these connections between George Bush and the Kennedy assassination and how George Bush is connected to all these very shady sort of figures. And that is a great documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you, you know, if you're going to have a JFK night or whatever, and you know, JFK is a really long film. These series are really long. JFK 2 is like two hours at the tops. Mm-hmm. And it's so worth watching because it's so funny and interesting. <laughs> and it sort of makes you wonder, like, um, you know, at first you, you know, you get presented this idea that Lee Oswald, the guy that supposedly shot JFK, is a patsy. That's sort of the idea that's presented in the film JFK. Mm-hmm. And then this other film sort of takes that to new levels because he was apparently working for the FBI. <laughs> so there's there's all, all sorts of levels to this. Yeah. But... Um, those are all good films. In fact, there are very few films about the Kennedy assassination that I would say are uninteresting. You know, mm-hmm. some of them go a little too far and are a little too editorial, one way or the other. So there was also a good one where they—I can't remember what the name of it—is—where they did um, these like computer mock-ups of Dealey Plaza to try to yeah, establish that... where shots could have possibly come from that hit the car and hit. Was that a European film? It may have been. Yeah, I've it's got been it's been the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's Danish or something. It's a really um. Yeah, was... yeah, and it was and it's very critical mm. of the conspiracy theories. It says that, you know basically they conject or their evidence bears out that it probably did come from Lee Oswald. Mm. But you know, I mean, it's just one of those things, and that's the other thing too is like you can't you can't account for how random things are in the world. And you can't account for people messing things up and blundering horribly, and you can't account for them getting really lucky either. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 
like going back to 9-11, it would appear that Hani Hanyu or whatever his name was got really lucky and was a, and just happened to ram his plane, this plane that he had hijacked, into the side of the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. A tiny little target, okay, if you think about it. Yeah. Tiny. To hit it flush on the side like that. Uh-huh. Same thing here, man. You know, Lee Oswald could have just gotten really lucky with that rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the rifle is, they do, are they are very accurate at long ranges. I mean, let's just face it. Yeah. People people get shot from like hundreds and hundreds of yards mm-hmm. by riflemen all the time. So, um, especially in Georgia, from, <laughs> from what I hear. <laughs> so, um, well, how about that, right? I'm sure there'll be conspiracy theories coming out of that. You know, they're already saying that George, that Russia is going to do a false flag attack and blame Georgia and all mm, this stuff. Yeah, so, that's what I'm talking about. You, you're right. In 9/11 culture, you get into this culture where you, it's like this chicken little thing. Like I said before, it's like they've cried wolf. They've said the sky is falling one too many times, and now you don't believe anything at all. And what are you left with? Like. Only what you can find in conspiracy documentaries, which ain't much history, if no. you go to a library <laughs> and compare the amount of material. Yeah. So, um, there's actually some know, great so books about this. Uh, I was just going to quickly that you might not know of, or you might have known. You, I don't know. You might know of them, but um, there's some academic books all about this kind of conspiracy culture. Uh, two really good ones that I can think of is one by Mark, Michael Barkin. I'm just looking up at my shelf now. Yeah, it's called A Culture of Conspiracy. It's brilliant, brilliant cultural analysis of uh, conspiracy theories, and it looks just at these sort of topics we're talking about now. And there's another one called Conspiracy Culture, really similar titles, <laughs> but that's a sociological study. Uh, it's called Conspiracy Culture from Kennedy to the X-Files, and it's by Peter Knight. It's a really good book. Um, they're both quite balanced academic looks at the conspiracy culture, which is really rare. There's only about four or five of them, as far as I'm concerned, that were worth reading. But uh, they're they're definitely the two best ones I'd recommend to the listeners. But anyway, go on. <laughs> no, no, I think that's I think that's great, and it points out that um, that there's no matter what, true or not, there's interesting stories here in these people and in these events. Like mm-hmm. that's how fascinating it is. It draws people, it changes their view of history, and all this stuff. Um, I think another conspiracy theory I'd like to hit on briefly is Waco. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's an interesting one too. It's um, you know like nine eleven and JFK. You look at it and you're like, wow, we don't know everything about that. Mm-hmm. But Waco, um, it was so heavily reported, and the news cameras were on everything the whole time. And there's so much data that you can sift through and look at. Like it's one of those things where you don't even have to add the conspiracy theory element into it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Like in it. It enrages you and makes you hate the government and proves that the government, or in this case the United States government, can be very barbaric and, you know, um, and can be murderous, you yeah. know, and can kill citizens in cold blood. Um, or can, it would seem that way. But uh, there's an interesting element to that because once you get past all of that, there's this whole other issue of whether, um, whether, government agents were actually shooting the Branch Davidians as their church, their compound was burning down. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there's really no way to know for sure if the fires were set by the FBI. It would appear that the damage they did to the building mm-hmm. with their tracked vehicles caused a fire uh, or helped to cause the fire. Mm-hmm. They say that the Davidians committed suicide and that there's, there's no proving that. Um, 
that would, it would exonerate them, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, but then there's, yeah, there's this whole other issue of is there gunfire? And there's this FLIR tape that you can watch, and it's this, um, like, infrared camera, so you can see heat in it. Heat's, like, darker, and you can sort of make out the outline of the building. And it would appear on this video, this infrared video, that there are flashes of light that would appear to be machine gun fire going off outside of the building. Um, but it's hard to prove. Right? Yeah, yeah. Experts on it say that it is, though. So there's a whole conspiracy theory there, once again, based on gruesome images that a layman can look at themselves and um, say, aha, you know, there's the smoking gun. Aha, I see it. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's a big element in it all is like that if you can make something seem patently obvious to someone or couch it in such a way that, oh, look how obvious this is, you know, just like me on that episode about yeah. 9-11. Um, it can go a long way towards convincing someone of something that there isn't a hundred percent evidence for that you couldn't prove in court, yeah. for example. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we've got time for one more conspiracy theory, which um, it's going to take me a minute to sift this because it's so weird. And I've only <laughs> found out about it in the past couple of days. Okay. So I'm just going to read this straight off of, um, I'm just going to read this straight off of Wikipedia. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> oh, this is rich, man. <laughs> You're going to love it. This is the best conspiracy theory I've ever heard. And I've been sifting them for years. Okay. Yeah. The phantom time hypothesis. And that's, it's a hypothesis, not a theory. It makes it sound better. Mm-hmm. Um, the phantom time hypothesis is a theory <laughs> developed by Herbert... Illig, uh, in 1991, it proposes that there has been a systematic effort to make it appear that periods of history, specifically that of Europe during the early Middle Ages, exist when they actually do not. <laughs> believes that this was achieved through alteration, misrepresentation, and forgery of documents and physical evidence. So what Illig believes in, uh, is that uh, the period from 614 AD to 911 AD did not happen. Hmm. And that there was a uh, systematic uh, wholesale creation of whole lines of kings and things in Europe by uh, early medieval scribes or late medieval scribes Hmm. to make it appear that there had actually been a dark ages. When in fact there is no break between uh, the late middle ages and late Roman times. So, Hmm. Very interesting, right? Uh, do, you want, do you want me to read for read on, or can we? You want to just start picking this apart right now? Let's read on a bit. I want to hear some more of this. <laughs> the theory also stems from the fact that by the time the Gregorian calendar was introduced in 1582, the old Julian calendar should have produced a discrepancy of 13 days between it and the real or sidereal calendar. In fact, the astronomers and mathematicians working for Pope Gregory found that the civil calendar needed to be adjusted by only 10 days. Thus, it, it, and it thus appears that the calendar counted roughly three centuries, which never existed. In fact, the Gregorian reform was intended to bring the Julian calendar in line, to, to, intended to bring the calendar in line with the Julian calendar as it had existed in 325 at the time of the Council of Nicaea, which had established the method for determining Easter Sunday. 
By 1582, the astronomical equinox was actually occurring on March 10th in the Julian calendar, but Easter was still being calculated by the normal equinox. The Gregorian form did not restore the relationship between the calendar date and the astronomical equinox to what had been the time of the institution of the Julian calendar in 45 BC. This is going on and on, I know. Um, <laughs> okay. what, what it basically says is, is like um, when they went to adjust between the Gregorian and the Julian calendar to get our current calendar or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that the equinox should have been a few days uh, to one side of where it was and that therefore many centuries just didn't pass there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I would edit all of that I just read out, but I would say that it's very interesting. Um, yeah, the basis of Iliad's hypothesis is the paucity of archaeological evidence that can be reliably dated from the period he says didn't exist. And he says that there's just no historians and nothing you know whatever Mm -hmm. so you can read on about this and different people have come up with their own phantom time theories so it isn't always just the period between 614 and 911 ad that you have to worry about losing it could be any period in fact before the 20th century and there's that number again 911 911 there it is coincidence (laughs) no i'm joking synchronicity perhaps (laughs) um yeah so yeah, this is uh, the best conspiracy theory I've ever heard that <laughs> scribes made up all of these years just so Otto the Great could live in the year 1000. It's like worse than I mean, Holocaust it's denial. Really <laughs> it's like time denial. <laughs> it's bit... Yeah, exactly. It's like that never happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's but what this doesn't explain to me is, um, okay, are you ready for this? 614 to 911 AD, like, you got like all of the languages in modern Europe popping out, mm-hmm. you know, right during that time and just after that time. So you're going to have to explain to me how a language developed in zero time, you know, <laughs> or how we got from like medieval Latin to church Latin in, you know, minus 500 years or something. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. So, but how popular is this theory? I mean, is it I've, uh, I've probably not? Not very popular, but um, certainly the best conspiracy theory I have ever heard. <laughs> oh, there's some great ones out there. They, um, I'm just trying to think of some uh, some other examples of funny ones. I mean, there's always David Icke. I don't want to rip him too much because uh, he's going to be hopefully a guest on our show soon. But I, I don't know. Do you want to talk a bit about um, the reptilian agenda? <laughs> Uh, uh, David, I, no, I think you should leave it if you're going to have him on. You know, mm. you should you should talk about it when he's on. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the uh, more fantastical ones. And for once, oh, I... here's a great conspiracy. For I'm, I'm reading a list of, of good ones. Mm. Um, Paul is dead, right? That Paul McCartney was actually died in a car wreck in 1965, <laughs> and they replaced him on the Beatles. And you know, uh, if you run parts of Abbey Road backwards, it says "I killed Paul" or something like. <laughs> It's not that they were just on acid or something and uh, probably put that in there deliberately or something. <laughs> oh, does crazy things to people. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I think we've gone about an hour on conspiracy theories. I hope that the, the conversation has been at least a little bit elucidating. Can you believe that I've been studying conspiracy th- theories for three years and did not make any sort of like Alex Jones style style rah rah speech tonight? Yeah, that, that was. How did I survive? 
I know. How did I survive? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, my friends was how I survived. I think having other people that I could discuss these topics with and maintain some sort of sense of perspective mm. is the best thing. Because these, I mean, obviously, people, people are listening to this show right now because these are interesting topics, okay? Mm. And there's no reason to shy away from them. And there's no reason even not to believe things that are that that are well-made arguments that you read, but you can't um, you can't get too sucked in. You have to keep that Robert Anton Wilson right. Mm-hmm. You know that's what the name of the show is, right? Where you're sitting now, you got to keep that idea of what um, E prime, right? Yep. Don't say this is this all the time. Don't assume that you know exactly what the nature of everything is or of history. And when you, when you take that step back and don't assume anything and just say, well, it might be this way or it might be that way. Um, I don't know. It's made me feel, A, more stable mentally. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, B, uh, you know, things are more fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't like, get this sinking, depressed feeling at the end of every conspiracy theory doc mm. that you watch. Because, I mean, that's, that's where you're going to end up. It's a tragedy every time, guys. A tragedy every time. It's mm-hmm. always going to be the world is falling to shit, and here it comes. That's yeah. how it ends. Yeah. And, you know, you know okay, I'll, I'll admit to you that that is one possibility, but you can't dwell on it. No. There just seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of people out there that do dwell on it. And I think, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is also maybe logic. I mean, it's... That's very therapeutic to read Robert Anton Wilson. I find after after um, being you know kind of uh, sucked in by these conspiracy theories, a lot of the time, you know, I mean, it's like it's fair enough to analyze them and look at them, and but also look at them, you know, the other options, the other uh, opinions out there. And I'd definitely say Wilson's a really good place to start because he really does kind of put all these things into a different perspective. <laughs> Would you agree with that? I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Wilson's great to read. Um, for that very reason, he sort of keeps you lighthearted, and yeah. that's that's important. Keep a light heart because, um, you know, you just get so depressed if you don't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm... I mean, there could be a good end. History could work out to a good end. The human race could be going in a good direction. Mm-hmm. Now, there's evil, yes. And it's sometimes good to look at the fact that it exists and see it for what it is. But it's not all powerful. No. <laughs> That's, That's my locker room speech to conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I mean, do you get? Um, do you still encounter them these days? I mean, I guess listeners to your show. I mean, we've certainly got some. But I'm, I'm assuming, do you get any kind of real hardcore theorists? I guess that listen to your show and get in contact with you, or um. Sometimes people want to send me sources and stuff, interesting stuff. It's usually on top. Sometimes it'll be on topics that I'm about to do, and sometimes it'll be on topics that I'm just never going to get to mm. because there's so much. Yeah. Um, but they seem to be okay. You know, I think they, I don't know, they're not as, um, they're not the sheeple, no. I, I would hope, you know, like <laughs> William Cooper would say. God, we could have talked about William Cooper tonight, too, yeah. if you want to. You want a conspiracy theorist? You listen to William Cooper's uh, show, "The Hour of the Time." He made that back in the late '80s and early '90s, man. And that guy, he was into some conspiracy theories. And he actually so, was interesting. He moved. He moved from being a UFO conspiracy theorist more towards being a what I call like a political conspiracy theorist, didn't he? It was, he was an interesting guy. And 
I think he would have been into the political stuff even from the beginning, but for the fact that he claims he saw a UFO. Hmm. And I think that was, that was also another interesting thing about him was that he, um, his, his introduction into this culture came from a personal experience of the weird and unusual, hmm. you know, not, not from reading a book or a secondary source like the rest of us. Like he says he saw a UFO. Yeah. So interesting guy. He got, Gunned down by county sheriffs in Arizona or New Mexico or wherever he was living. Right after 9-11. Real weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I tend to be quite skeptical about a lot of these things. But that one, that incident was particularly, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm with your uh, co- co-host on this one a little bit. I don't know. It does seem a bit odd the way he was uh, was killed. I don't know. I mean, is it worth talking about that really quickly? Or because that was... would like to... Yeah, I mean, William Cooper, uh, like I said, he had done a show called The Hour of the Time. Um, you can listen to some audio clips from his show and a more detailed biography on Out There Radio, episode 15. But he's, I don't know, he was very convinced. You know, he he was he's like, if you see what Alex Jones is like now, like that's where that came from, mm. you know. Except he was less bombastic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he he seemed more almost like I don't know. He seemed like a Sunday school teacher sometimes, except with just really depressing Bible stories for yeah. you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was kind of like that. Um, and like Jones is more your Bill O'Reilly kind of uh, Rush Limbaugh kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a new a new version of that. But um, yeah, he he had an incident with some sheriff's deputies because he was trying to run some trespassers out of his subdivision or what he thought was trespassers because kids would like go down onto a certain lot right next to his all the time and like do donuts and, you know, run, make their tire tracks and ruin the grass or whatever, mm. you know, just partying down there with making a lot of noise in the middle of the night when they shouldn't have been. So Cooper had gone down there a bunch of times this is right next to his house. I mean, this is, you know, imagine Raymond at his house in Athens and this happening. You know, mm-hmm. this is how weird this is. Um, so he goes down there one night because he hears a bunch of hooting and hollering down there and thinks it's the teenagers or whatever. And he gets down there and it's a bunch of sheriff's deputies all dressed in black or whatever, like trying to sneak up on him. I mean, this is already a guy who believes that the New World Order is coming to get him anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so, like, they didn't even, from from what I gather, they didn't even identify themselves. They just jumped on his truck and grabbed him. And um, he socked one of them in the face and, like, drove back up to his house and um, had a shootout with a sheriff's deputy in his front yard and shot the sheriff's deputy, and the sheriff's deputies killed him. Mm. So, I mean, it's sad the way that can work out. I mean, that's how far it can go. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, basically. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's the uh, uh that's potentially how far it could go and i mean uh, again we could we could talk about ruby ridge as well that's another kind of classic case of that going horribly wrong but, i mean we'll never really know with william cooper if it was a kind of uh, <laughs> a hit job as they call it or if it was you know just him just becoming so incredibly paranoid i mean it's hard to tell when it's well, a little bit of both you know what i'm saying like yeah. they, some somebody could have been looking for an opportunity and known that he was going to be jumpy mm-hmm. or whatever. You know? I mean, it is a sad story. But conspiracy theories in general are sad stories. Like I said, they're tragedies. Mm-hmm. So 
each and every one. So add a little comedy into your life, you know. <laughs> I guess. Lighten up a bit, don't Jesus. Do a <laughs> week, right? And don't cover ghosts every week. Those are my other pieces of advice yeah. for you studying conspiracy theorists out there. But anyway, so, uh, I think this has been quite yeah. a cool little chat. It's been a bit of a different kind of style of episode, I guess. We've just uh, been just sat here chatting, which isn't something we normally do, but it's cool. I, I kind of, uh, you know, it... I hope it came. Out, I hope it came out good, Ken. If it didn't, you know, we can always do it again some other time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure. This no, I figured time. I gave such like a hardcore lecture on occultism last time that I really just sort of wanted to float down to earth a little bit this time. Yeah. Even though that's kind of hard to do with the topic. <laughs> but anyway uh thanks for listening this has been episode 14 you can check us out on the web at sittingnow.co.uk where we've got all the previous episodes of the show and uh so we've got news articles up there we're about to start doing reviews of books and music and uh just generally covering alternative culture and keep you know keeping you up to date uh you can get me uh on ken at sittingnow.co.uk if it, I, was, I was gonna ask you this we've never really mentioned it if the listeners want to get hold of you raymond how, what's your best address Oh, out there, radio at gmail.com. Easiest way to get in touch with me. And if you want to check out Raymond's shows, like, was one of the main inspirations for this show. <laughs> so if you want to check out, you know, where we kind of borrowed a lot of our ideas from, <laughs> then you can go to outthereradio.net. And, uh, and you can check out the Disinfo website. We'll be having some new podcasts coming out on that site soon as well under the same or similar name. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, also vote for the episode of this show. If you're listening to this right now, you can go to disinfo.com, make yourself a little log on, and vote so we get promoted to the front page, and it'll be awesome. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and, uh, yeah, see you then.